the masters almost surely have a plan This clearly may be something near beyond the realm of man And until you thoroughly tested every last close trusted view I find the more you think you know, the less you really do That's true, Dr. Zayas Where would we be without THC? Side chatters, we've talked a ton about the dark undercurrents of the vast conspiracy for years now. Deep state mind control programs that have only gotten more sophisticated, environment-altering geoengineering campaigns that have only become more obvious, and multi-generational missions carried out by an oligarchy of elite bloodlines that have only gotten more absolute. Yes, it seems like the proverbial screws are tightening at an ever-increasing rate, but you can still get lost trying to see your way through the smoke and mirrors of a finely tuned propaganda machine aimed at diverting your attention from the darkest of dark corners. Well, lucky for us, today we have a guest who not only studies these dark corners, he's actually lived in them. His name is Jay Parker, and Jay was actually born into a multi-generational elite family of occult practitioners, and as a result was the victim of trauma-based mind control and ritual abuse in a large cult setting for the first seven years of his life. He now speaks out about the elite's various campaigns against the people and the recovery and healing methods for satanic ritual abuse that have helped him on his own journey, and I'm super psyched to have him here. The great forger of spiritual and mental armor, cultivator of empowering knowledge, and educator of the masses, Jay Parker. Welcome to the higher side. Well, thank you, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm a great admirer of your podcast. I really can't be too happy because there are a few people i admire who do podcasts and you're definitely one of them wow man thank you just just want to say that you know you're up there (laughs) uh i recommend everyone become a subscriber and give you some support because you are getting information out to people that will empower them and make them see reality as it truly is Mm. rather than mainstream media pablum that isn't working for anybody anymore, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers to that. And you're just so kind. Thanks for saying that. And thanks for being here. Of course, anyone who's been following the alternative conspiracy world, you know, they know that we've had various whistleblowers over the years that talk about their own ritual abuse and mind control experience. And they come with varying degrees of credibility. But I find you to be really the crown jewel, man, and one of the most honest, good natured guys out there. And not to be weird, but when I listen to you talk about your experience, I can just kind of hear it in your voice that you have lived some shit. You've walked the long road of making peace with that, and it seems like you've come out stronger for it on the other side. But for people who haven't heard about your childhood, can you give the people some more context? What can you tell us about those early experiences in the family you were born into? I think it's important when you listen to me to actually know what I grew up in, Greg, and what I learned being in a multi-generational satanic family. My parents, they actually were elite when it came to occult knowledge and occult ability in mind-controlling people, raping and killing. They were something else. In fact, I'll get into it, but I'm going to say some things about my family that will truly frighten you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm serious. Mm. I can laugh at it now, Greg, because I've done so much healing work to myself 
it's so far removed from me. Let me start with my personal history and walk it through. Don't want to jump around. Sure. All right. My personal history, I was born in 1956 outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. My parents were both generational Satanists. My mother traced her satanic lineage, mother to daughter, back 3,000 years to the Amalekite people in the Middle East that are spoken of in the Old Testament with King Saul fighting the Amalekites, very famous passage in the uh, Old Testament where Jehovah God instructed King Saul to slay every Amalekite man, woman, and child and kill all the animals. And of course, the Israelis disobeyed. This was a actual teaching of true occult history that my mother gave me when I was about three years old. It's a great story, so I'll tell it. When King Saul and the Israelis disobeyed God and gathered up the Amalekite herds to use as sacrifice to Jehovah in direct violation of what the prophet Samuel told King Saul to do, they were distracted. This is after the slaughter. They were gathering up the herds, and there was a caravan of Amalekites coming back from Egypt on a trading mission, okay? Large caravan. They saw the slaughter in the Amalekite Valley, and they slipped away to Moab, which is present-day Jordan. And that's why, to this day, even though Jehovah gave Saul an order to get rid of these people, the Amalekite bloodline continues to this very day. Hmm. And, you know, I'm sitting there listening to my mother tell this story, and I'm not looking at it from a Christian or Judaic viewpoint. I'm looking at it from the other side. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so good that we snuck away. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, that is fascinating. And also, from what I understand, when it comes to more recent history, your mother's side also had an association with the DuPont family? Oh, very much so. Mm. Uh, My mother was a teacher at the elite school called the Pilot School in northern Wilmington. It's where the DuPonts, the Carpenters, and all the uh, Illuminati sent their children for mind control programming and making sure that their children were the next generation of masters. Mm. My mother had a student by the name of John DuPont, who was the primary heir of the DuPont fortune back in the 60s. And she mind-controlled John DuPont and put a program in him that she described to my father would not activate for 25 years. And 25 years to the day after my mother and father, I remember I used to eavesdrop on their conversations. And... 25 years to the day after my mother in like 1965 was talking to my father about this mind control program she put in John DuPont, the primary heir of the DuPont fortune. John DuPont went berserk and murdered his best friend, the wrestler Dave Schultz, and spent the rest of his life incarcerated. 
the plot was my mother was hired by other DuPont family members to do a number on John. And then when he went berserk, the other DuPont family members would go into court and try to seize control of his money due to his insanity. If you look at the court records of the murder trial of John DuPont, that's exactly what happened. The DuPont family members came into court and asked the court to remove John as the beneficiary of a fortune. They wanted him disowned and everything, and they wanted his money. And John had really good lawyers, and he fought them off, and it didn't work. But that's the way the Illuminati are. Mm. There is no family. It's a cabal of criminals. These people, they'll eat their own in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. I definitely don't doubt that. And we do hear about the elite and various dark occult rituals, usually second or third hand accounts, and they can be pretty vague. But can you tell us about some of the rituals that you were specifically involved in or used in? (sighs) Well, how many days do you have? (laughs) This is the way it goes in a generational satanic family. Your life is not your own. My father was a ninth generation Illuminati, and he told me that I would be 10th generation. My father's family joined the Illuminati in 1720s in Inniskill in Ireland. During the potato famine, of course, there were three brothers who migrated to America. My great-great-grandfather, John, was one of the brothers, and he moved to Philadelphia and started a Illuminati coven. And the other two brothers, one went to Elmira, New York, and the other one went to Chicago. And they started dark occult covens and spread the faith of Molech. When you're born into a generational satanic family, it's what Mark Passio and I and my parents called the old religion. It's pre-Atlantean. It's pre-10,000 B.C. In fact, my father would call himself many times in the church of the Marquis of Hell an Atlantean warlock. Wow. And, of course, we all know about the story of Atlantis, if we're being honest with ourselves, is that it was a cruel, mind-controlled, fascist society where scientists were running completely amok. My mother said, that the genetic engineering that was going on in Atlantis was like the island of Dr. Moreau. Wow. You know, where they were making chimeras, half human, half animal, all sorts of things. So whether the universe struck it down or whether, you know, a comet came and hit the ice caps, and there is plenty of geological evidence of a massive, cataclysm at 9600 BC. Two men talk about this. They've written three books, and that's Allen and Delaire. And they have Cataclysm 9600 BC, and The Day the Earth Nearly Died is another book. And all I have to say is, if you want to understand the shock, and that's what the human race is under, not only Stockholm Syndrome, which is 
passed on generation to generation by each successive generation being told the big lie. And that's what our society is. Each generation is told, this is reality. Don't look anywhere else. Go along to get along. It's all about money. It's not about morals. And here we go. Right. That's where we're at. But satanic ritual abuse is essentially is you cannot have child rapists, human sacrificers, criminals. I mean, this is a cult of pure evil and criminality. It's not only just the pedophilia and the human sacrifice and the blood drinking. It's also financial, military, corruption, anywhere they can do evil. Anywhere they can steal, rob, and destroy. Mm -hmm. That's what these people do. So it's not just a child abuse network. It stems, they have their paws on everything. And there's a magical reason for the things that would have occurred to you in the first seven years of your life, right? I mean, it's not Mm -hmm. just getting off on the abuse of children, although I'm sure that has to play a role. But there's also something deeper going on, right? Oh, these people, we live in a field of energy. It's 52 waveforms. It's almost infinitely dense. And Nassim Haramein says it's the density of the energy field we exist in is to the 29th power. So just think in your mind, 29 zeros. That's the density of where we're at. And it's called the morphogenic field or the divine field or the quantum field. Rupert Sheldrake has written several books on the morphic field, Mm -hmm. and they're excellent. I recommend anyone that really wants to know about reality to look into Rupert Sheldrake's work, also Lynn McTaggart, talking about the field. Because when you understand that we're in a field of infinite probability and possibility, and that human consciousness is what makes this intelligent, super energetic, it's almost infinite energy and infinite density, but it is an intelligent field. It truly is a divine field. My mother would talk about it, and she would say it was the goddess. John Lamb Lash, the Gnostic scholar who has written, not in his image, a book that is a definite must-read, John Lash's Not in His Image, because it goes into how the Illuminati basically corrupted Christianity and made it into the status quo, anti-spiritual warmongering machine that it is today. But there are real Christians out there. They're real Muslims. Mm-hmm. Once you decide that your life is going to be dedicated to natural law and morality, doing the right thing, and the all truth, you're going to follow truth and goodness no matter where it leads, no matter what your society, what your friends say, your family says, you are on the path to higher consciousness and higher morality, which really isn't hard to do in this civilization. Right. If you know what I mean. (laughs) Of course. And when it comes to those personal experiences, I've heard you say that the scary thing was that you never really knew when your mother or father was going to switch on 
the evil entity inside of them. And this is something I've heard a lot about, but not really firsthand. I was really curious about the mechanisms there, uh, the details of like your parents' relationship with these particular entities, because this is the crux, I think, of why the elite bloodlines, why the cabal does what it does. Absolutely. When you're born multi-generational satanic, everyone goes through SRA, whether you're a Rockefeller, a Rothschild, a DuPont, everybody goes through ritual torture, rape, drugging, satanic rituals to break down the natural consciousness of the human being, warp the synaptic pathways and the body chemistry and create a secondary psychopath. Mm. Okay? Mm -hmm. They take gold and turn it into lead. Mm. Now, they even shock, and my mother was talking about this, she said, it hurts like hell. They even electroshock the fetus to start warping the synaptic pathways. And to understand, you know, what's going on here, you have to understand that we are epigenetic creatures and dr bruce lipton talks about this a lot greg is that what we think and feel affects our biology it affects our dna it affects the entire human race because each of us in our collective subconscious is knit together in this field of energy so we all broadcast the sum total of our hearts and minds constantly into the field. The field receives all these signals from the human consciousness and then creates this wonderland that we see as Earth and the universe and whatever. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, all I have to say is I must have been gang raped hundreds of times. Wow. I've seen, well, that I can remember. I've probably seen, you know, five or six human sacrifices. And these people will take a cattle prod to you. In the Church of the Marquis of Hell in Arden, Delaware, where my family uh, raised me, Arden, Delaware and Rose Valley, Pennsylvania, are two occult towns that were founded in 1900. And these two towns, Satanists from Philadelphia decided they were going to go out to the country and form a uh, utopian community. And they came out mostly in Arden. They came out of the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts. And they formed a arts and craft village. And 90% of the people there that I grew up with in the late 50s, 60s, and early 70s, 90% of Arden, Delaware was Satanist, pedophile Illuminati. And 10% of the people were regular, unknowing people, just regular human beings. And I guess I kept the 10% normal so that if the place ever got revealed, you could always make a claim that, hey, I was one of the 10%. <laughs> right. I wasn't in the 90. And not only that, but also 
they like the fact that they have a few people out of the know that they can practice their personas with. Because you really, when you're an Illuminati pedophile, you are an actor for life because you have two lives. You have your Illuminati life and then you have your costume that you wear in public. Right. So I recommend to, because this is, you know, I know you brought me on because I'm a teacher. I have spent now over 17 years studying reality, human consciousness, and how we get out of this new world order of tyranny. And I have to say that I think we're winning and big things are afoot. Mm. Okay, I just leave you there with that because I said several years ago at a conference, a free mind conference, I said, and this was from the heart, and as I spoke, it was at Free Your Mind too. It was the first time I really talked about my murdered friends in Arden, Delaware. Named some names, and it was a powerful talk, Free Your Mind too for me. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I was dating a shaman, and she said, your talk, you were surrounded by higher entities. She said there were light beings all around you. I thought that was nice. <laughs> it, it, it took some courage, Greg. I don't know where I get this courage. I know that when I was five years old and I started, because we only have two brainwave patterns in the first seven years of life. And then from like five or six, because of experiential things, you start to see things differently. And then, you know, six, seven, you get a third brainwave pattern and you can start to differentiate information that's coming into you. But in the first basically six years of life, you're in a what Dr. Bruce Lipton calls is a hypnogogic trance. And physiologists call this time in your life the programmable state. Mm. All the information that your five senses is taking in goes right into your subconscious to build what is essentially the hard drive for your life. Now, if you grow up in a satanic family, you're getting bombarded constantly with satanic imagery, satanic ideology, and ways of thinking. So your subconscious is being destroyed, and you're being turned into a secondary psychopath. Mm -hmm. Now, they do all kinds of rituals, but the thing I talk about to most people now is the fact that why are they abusing these children? Why are they murdering people like this? You know, mm -hmm. it produces vast amounts. See, when you have a child, prepubescent child, they're closer to the event horizon of being born out of the field. So they don't have their subconscious built fully. In the first six years, you're in the programmable state. Your subconscious is being built. That subconscious, according to Dr. Bruce Lipton and Dr. Joe Dispenza and many other noted physiologists, microbiologists, will tell you that that subconscious runs 
95% of your life. Now, 5% of your mentation comes from your conscious mind. And my mother said to me, the most important thing to the Illuminati is the collective subconscious. So they only have maybe 12 to 15% of the population that is generational satanic family. So they have to deal with 85 to 90% of people that if they knew what these people were about, they'd throw them in a cage or worse immediately. And so what they decided to do, these ancient old religion cults of Molech, was they built the religions. And if they didn't build the religion, they infiltrated and corrupted it. Christianity is one of the greatest stories of a religion being corrupted that you'll ever, ever study about. I have a talk at Free Your Mind 3, which gives some great books to read about what happened to Christianity at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. But getting back to the main thing I talk about now to most people is you have a conscious mind and a subconscious mind. The subconscious runs 95% of your thoughts, beliefs, actions, okay? It is the filter that says, I'm going to decode that information. I'm going to ignore that information, okay? So where did this subconscious come from that we all have? It came from our society. The individual in the hypnagogic programmable state does not make any decisions relating to what's in their subconscious. It's all their parents, their schools, their television, their radios, all that information pouring in. They don't have the ability to discern. They don't have the ability to say, nah, I don't believe that. Until you have a third brainwave pattern, you cannot differentiate any information. Therefore, up until that time you get the third brainwave pattern, you're literally in a trance. So what I state to people is, okay, so the dark occult, and this has taken them a long time to do, but they controlled Atlantis. The planet got blown up. Either they, the Atlantean scientists did something or a comet hitting the ice caps, you know. But if you read any of Alan Dallaire's books, you'll see that the Earth went through an incredible cataclysm. In fact, there were probably several. Mm -hmm. This put us in a state of shock. The survivors from Atlantis, and if you look at just the biology of the Irish and some of the peoples in Morocco. There's a man by the name of Robert Zephyr, and he has a YouTube channel called Atlantean Gardens. And he does a great talk because with genetic studies, you can actually see the pattern of migration of peoples. And you can see that Whoever came out of Atlantis went to Ireland, went to northern Spain, 
and went to Morocco. Okay, that's just one group that headed east after the thing collapsed. But they're different. Why are they different? There's a heck of a lot of RH negative. And all I can say is you do a study on RH negative blood and you will find, you know, that's the uh, high caste Illuminati. Mm. Yeah, it seems to be quite different indeed. We've done a couple shows on that before. And I guess I'm also curious, from what I understand from previous guests, of course, they don't have the firsthand knowledge you do, but it seems like these occultists at some point, they figured out the structure of reality, the structure you've been talking about, and they made a deal with some dark entities to say, hey, look, we figured out the game. How can we work with you? How can we dominate this game? And through that, some type of dark pact was made, some type of possession tradition, in a sense. And do you know when that started or how far back that tradition of allowing entities to enter into these bodies of multi-generational elites? Like, when did that really start to get into full swing? Was this post-Atlantis? No, actually, previous to the uh, destruction of Atlantis. John Lash talks about this in some of his podcasts. It was a long process, but I think around 15,000 BC was when the dark archonic spirits really started making contact. And what they are, they're from the dimension that's right next to our dimension. And so through conjuring or some kind of shamanic things that they were doing. However, did it. A group of people obviously contacted these entities. And then these entities said, oh, I'll teach you how to make yourself king. And I'll teach you to be ruler. And you don't have to work. I'll show you how to build a slave system so that you and your friends will be the kings and everyone else will be your slave. And that's essentially how it happened. And it's no joke that in Canaan, present day Israel, a thousand BC, they were tossing their kids into flames for Molech. I mean, this is common knowledge. It's in the Bible. I mean, there's no disputing it. A lot of people think that these old religions of the Aztecs, Molech, you know, all over the world after the cataclysm of 9600 BC, Thousands of years later, you have the pyramid people and you go up to the pyramid and get your heart ripped out. Well, this is to appease the gods. What gods are they appeasing? They're appeasing the Anunnaki. My father talked about the Anunnaki to my mother constantly. It was the standard story of reality that the Anunnaki conquered the human race conquered Earth in eight minutes and genetically manipulated the hominids that were here to turn us into a slave species. But I just want to say something about that. There are some scholars that say we were not genetically manipulated, and then others say it's obvious that we were. To get a better handle on this, I recommend looking into the work of Lloyd Pye. Lloyd Pye is now gone. He died of cancer several years ago, 
but he wrote an excellent book and he did an excellent presentation that you can probably still find on YouTube called Everything You Know is Wrong. And he looks at the DNA and the chromosome makeup of human beings and it ain't right. It's obviously been spliced. I agree. Just saying. Yeah. Okay. But you know something? The Illuminati are fools. I just want to say that. When I was five years old and I realized, just mentally I realized, I didn't have my third brainwave pattern yet, but I had a very high IQ. And I realized that what these people were into, I didn't want anything to do with it. And so there I am in a uh, room full of axe murderers telling them they're wrong. And my mother and father would conjure up this light being entity known as the Marquis of Hell, who controls 40 legions of demons, according to occult theology. And the Marquis of Hell, it was a iridescent a light body. The uh, light kind of flowed through his body. He had snakes for hair. He was about six foot two. And he did this little weird dance with his arms. Not being an adept, I could not communicate with him. But my mother conjured him up one time at the church, which at that time was situated under the candlelight dinner theater in Arden, Delaware. And she said to me, that's God. And I looked at her and I said, that's not God. And she actually got hurt. She pouted and said to me, well, that's our God. Hmm. And there I am, you know, five years old with these really sick individuals saying, what are you doing? How can you go against nature? How can you do this horrible stuff? Don't you realize what you're doing to your soul? Don't you realize that the father and mother of life is not going to allow this? You know, very strange. Right. And you mentioned this earlier, but it is an aspect of your presentations that I just have found super fascinating. And that is these references to places like Arden, Delaware and Rose Valley, Pennsylvania. You've referred to them as elite pedophile villages that were set up years ago by a man named William L. Price. I'm sure others as well. But that is just fascinating that there would be these little pockets around the country where the whole town is set up for these people and these purposes, but it kind of makes sense in terms of how you can keep the secret going for so long. And I know you've just experienced a ton of terrible horrors in those first seven years, witnessed murder, mock burials, plenty of sexual abuse. And I've heard you talk about actually having an entity pulled into your own body and I'm just so curious what that is like. What does that feel like? Can you tell that there's like some kind of other mind inside you that you're doing battle with? Like, can you explain how that works? Well, my parents would torture me with electroshock at the base of the spine strapped down to a bench for hours at a time. And the electricity would come up and literally it was like a sledgehammer hitting your cerebellum. They just want to break you. Whatever they have to do to 
break you. Just just like if you're making a Manchurian candidate, I mean, they use drugs, they use torture, they use deprivation, they lock you into little boxes. I mean, one of the biggest rituals that SRA victims go through, and it's a major, major event for all SRA generational Satanists, is they will place a child at three years old in a wrought iron cage. And I remember this all so well. I was in this cage, and it had a big aluminum pan underneath it because I was sitting with my knees up around my face because I was I could hardly even move in this cage. And they leave you there for like three days. You know, you've cried yourself hoarse. You've screamed for help. Nobody's coming. And then my father walks into the room. And I'm like, oh, it's daddy. I'm saved. Only it's not daddy. It's my father in full fourth dimensional demon mood. And when I looked at him and saw that he was in his satanic manifestation and his entity had full control over him. Greg, I could literally feel my brain breaking in half. It was so crushing. And with that splitting of my consciousness, of course, then it gives them an opportunity to program altars. I had about seven altars. There were times in my life that my consciousness was like a broken channel changer. I mean, someone would say hi to me and I would flip through personalities and try to figure out what he meant by hi. Wow. I mean, we're, we're talking really beat up. And I was buried alive and I went through just my heart ripped out and given to the Temple of Molech. And just one of the rituals that besides the uh, three-year-old in a cage, another ritual that all SRA victims go through is a brutal human sacrifice, axe murder, that is blamed on the child. And what they do is they put you in a – in my case, they – Transported a girl about 16 years old from Long Beach, California, another hotbed of occult activity. They trans drugged her, transported her in a uh, trunk of a car all the way to Arden, Delaware. Bernie Brockman, the town veterinarian, opens the trunk. This girl is in there wrapped in blankets. She's obviously drugged. They brought her into the uh, church. They cleaned her up. They had a shower in the church because you have to – sometimes you just have to wash the blood off you, you know? And they had me and her kind of do some adolescent sexual activity, and then they put me into a trance because they, they wanted me to bond to her, okay? Then they put me in a trance. And when they woke me up out of the trance, she was eviscerated and choking on her blood, her last few gasps of life. 
and all the adults around who had chopped their arms and legs off and stabbed her a hundred times laughed at me and said, look what you did, you butcher. And I was so shocked at what I saw. I had an out-of-body experience. And my mother and I was unconsolable. I was flipping out. And my mother, I remember my mother saying to me, what are you so upset about? We didn't hurt her. She'll just go back to the mainframe, get a new body. Her spirit, her consciousness is fine. All we did was destroy her avatar in this holodeck. One of the rituals the Illuminati do, and not everybody is successful in this ritual, but they get around you either through trance or the energy of the group think, but they can make you have an out-of-body experience where you see these two and a half, 350 foot tall, glowing light blue pyramids that have these large boulders of onyx under them. And it has a black sky, just like the Matrix movie. The only light you see is coming, emanating from these light blue pyramids. And the feeling you get from looking at this scene is one of total malevolence. It's like, oh, the watchers. And that's what I thought when I saw this blue pyramid experience with the cult. I didn't know what the watchers were, but when I saw this scene, it's weird. That was the word that came to my mind, the watchers. <laughs> and then they, after about 15, 20 seconds, they bounced me back to the Marquis of Hell Church in Arden. There were about eight adults around. They said, well, now you see, it's not real. And my parents had discussions about the fact that this reality is, as John Losh says, a simulacra. It is a simulation. All I can say is, I really don't care that it's a simulation. I think it's important to understand maybe there's several theories I have about how we got into this computer program in this 52 waveform intelligent energy field that reacts to every heartfelt thought and feeling the human race has and tries to build a world for us to exist in. And one of the stories my mother told me was the earth was destroyed accidentally by a very high race in the universe, in the real universe. And so what they did was realizing that there were billions of consciousnesses attached to this planet that they made uninhabitable and killed all these people. They decided, well, we have the technology. We'll build a replica of the real universe. They'll never know that it's a holodeck. And they'll be able to live out their lives like normal. Wow. Which, you know, you would think, hey, that's a, that's a pretty fair deal. <laughs> yeah. Now, you have to understand, if they destroyed our planet, if they didn't know we were there and they were doing something like, like the Vogons creating a hyperspace bypass, you know, that's from uh, 
Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If they didn't know who we were or what we were about or what we looked like, what could you do? You had to build a construct that took the consciousness, thoughts, and feelings and produced a reality out of it. And so that's how they produced a perfect simulacra of the real universe. And then later on, it got invaded by fourth dimensional entities, and off we went to the races. <laughs> wow, that is just such a fascinating paradigm, such an amazing cosmology. I think it's very interesting. And I've heard you talk about the place of the blue pyramids before and that is also really interesting because it's like if we are in some form of hologram there must be a place that it's projected from and maybe that is the place and i'm really sorry you had to go through so much crazy stuff in that first seven years but i've never really heard you talk about how you got out of the cult or what happened to your parents and your bloodline because you'd assume like, you're not supposed to be out there talking about this stuff, or there's still going to be some people in your network that are alive. Like, how did you get out of such a situation, and what happened to your bloodline, and assumably the wealth associated with it and all that stuff? Well, my parents were both teachers, Greg. They went to Dickinson College in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, which is a CIA Illuminati college. Just total cult up there. That's why uh, George Bush calls his corporation the Carlisle Group. And that's where the uh, War College is. Lovely area. <laughs> My mother told me that one time I was asking her, I said, how come all these cities have T-O-N on the end? Like Wilmington, Boston, Trenton. Right. What is this T-O-N? It's not town. What is it? Right. And she said, it's us. Essentially what she said. What I want to say about this is whenever you see a town with a T-O-N at the end, you have to think of a Tau cross and on the Egyptian city of on. OK. It's a signal to any dark occultist that in the founding of that government, of that settlement, were dark occultists. That doesn't mean it's 100% or 90% like Arden. What it means is they are running the show there. They're the 10 to 15% that control the levers of power in our society to keep the masses dumbed down and supplying the elite with money. It's a scary thought because if you look at a map and see all the towns that end with T-O-N, you get my drift. Yeah, there's a lot. So I tell an interesting story that my mother told me, Greg, about the Admiral's son, William Penn, the Quaker. Now, on top of City Hall in Philadelphia is a statue of William Penn, who came to Philadelphia, founded Philadelphia with the Quakers, and was given the land grant of Pennsylvania by the King of England. And the story that we're all told is Penn was an admiral's son that rebelled against the Illuminati 
because ever since Henry VIII, England has been in total control by the Illuminati. He was the king of England that sold out to the Venetian bankers. And I just want to say that his statue, William Penn, has a scroll in his right hand. In Freemasonry, that means you have deep occulted knowledge. Okay? You know the whole story. And then in his left hand, he has a carpet bag. He has a bag. Why don't people, when they look at William Penn above City Hall, say to themselves, have you ever seen a statue of somebody and they've got a carpet bag? They're holding a bag. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Think about it. You don't see it, do you? No. And my mother said to me, every warlock has a bag. That's where they keep their spell books, their drugs, their torture devices. So there you go. William Penn was controlled opposition. Okay. They pretended to be anti-king, anti-control system. But, you know, just like many churches, just like what we're seeing in society today, we're seeing that at the top, there's just these people with absolutely no morals whatsoever. And that's the way it is with the uh, Quaker religion. The mass of people are good people and have no idea that they're actually supporting a dark occult cabal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's sad. It is sad. And so have your parents passed at this point, I'm sure? Did you have any siblings or? Well, I don't know if my father's still alive. As far as I know, he'd be like 90. Right. He was alive two years ago, as far as I know. As soon as I broke my programming, I would have nothing to do with anyone in my family. Right. Makes sense. (laughs) Because... The chance of them rebooting my program, which my oldest brother tried to do one time, I learned just stay away. Right. Now, you're probably – a lot of people you know, say, how come you're alive, Jay? Right. I mean you're not allowed to talk about this. Seems rare. It is rare, but there are rules in the universe, and when you abuse a child before the age of six – and they tell you, leave me alone, and you don't leave them alone, that gets the big guy involved, okay? So essentially, they raped my best friend, Brandon Ploner, when I was in first grade. I was seven years old. He went septic and died in three days. They sent the town veterinarian, Bernie Brockman, to see if they could help, but The dog healer could not save Brandon's life. And so he died. So I knew Brandon was dying. I had heard my parents talk about this. So I jumped out of the window of my house and ran to Brandon's house just in time to see Bernie Brockman put Brandon's body, which was wrapped in a green tarp with brass eye hooks into his trunk. 
And then Bernie saw me, and that's the last thing I remember about that, but I'm sure it didn't go well for me. So they had a situation where I was rebelling. I was telling my parents I wanted to be adopted out. I won't say anything about what you're doing here. Just adopt me out. Say you're both school teachers. You can't afford to put off me and my two brothers through college, and you got to get rid of one of the kids. I I know it's silly, but that's the only thing I could come up with at seven years old. My parents are rather shocked at this, you know, like, oh, boy, we've got a live one. And my mother said to me, boy, they really broke the mold when they made you. I had discussions with spirit beings before I came in here. And, you know, they give you a life review. They talk about your progress in consciousness and ask you what kind of life you want to have. Many people don't remember anything, but some people get a little bleed through. So they gave me a talk about this is your last three lives. You've been with the same woman. She's been directly responsible for your death, blah, blah, blah. And I was shown a cobra and a rose. That was a symbol of, you know, fatal attraction. So I'm in line and I said, well, I love her. You know, maybe next time it'll work out, blah, blah, blah. And as I'm in line to incarnate here, I was like, you know something? I got to change this. So I jumped ahead in line, and the spirit guides said to me, you're going in too soon. This isn't the life that they had planned for me, okay? And I said, I just want to get this over. You know, my attitude was, you know, I understood the earth was a consciousness training ground. And if you really look at it that way, that's what it is. You get to choose between ultimate good and ultimate evil. And Michael Tessarion talks a lot today about we are here to grow our souls. We are here, okay, to learn and grow in consciousness, in godliness, okay? And... I had a revelation right from the uh, spirit of the uh, holodeck, you know, of the divine matrix in 06, just after I started doing EFT, which has been a miracle for me. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But, you know, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Life is for growth in consciousness. It's for growth in wisdom and knowledge. You know, it's not about money. It's about the heart and soul of truly being a divine being. If you're doing anything else than making consciousness and morality your number one focus, you're ripping yourself off. Because once you dedicate yourself to the all truth, the universe is going to find you and the universe is going to teach you. And it's not going to be pleasant all the time because we live in a society of people suffering from Stockholm Syndrome who believe what the TV says. Well, why don't they believe what the TV says? I mean, they've been sitting since two years old being subjected to thousands of audio and visual subliminals 
given to you by your loving Illuminati government. Their subconscious has been, you know, in the Illuminati, you get hard programming, but the rest of the culture gets soft programming. <laughs> but we all end up with Stockholm Syndrome. Right. And there's also programming in the military, of course. That'd be a middle ground, I guess, between the broad manipulation in the mainstream culture and what you've experienced. But yeah, it's there too. They break you down. And man, just a serious bunch of heavy issues today, man. You really did bring a lot to the table. And I rarely speak with someone who's been so close to the machine like this. It's been a real pleasure. And you do just a great job of breaking all this stuff down. And energy does seem to be the name of the game. Well, I do want to thank you for having me on. It's difficult for me in two hours to talk about everything I know. With my new website that I'm building, I'm going to do videos where I get to break down these issues finer and make it more easy for people to understand. I do have a radio show on the web, and it's on Revolution Radio, which you can find at freedomslips.com. It's on Thursday night. 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. It's called The Center Path, and it's a two-hour show, and I deal with consciousness. And then the next week, I do my other activism, and I call the show Matrix Warriors, and I interview people who are activists and actually doing things to wake humanity up. We're going to win, Greg. We're winning. We're <laughs> winning. I hope. Those NSA white hats are going to bring the Illuminati down because Trump has the military behind him and they're fed up of these psychopaths using our troops as cannon fodder. Mm. Well, I hope you're right. I mean, I'm a little more skeptical of anyone who makes it to the president's seat, even if they are backed by a different sector of the pie. I guess I just worry that they're Motives aren't altruistic either, but... Well, they're not. His motive is, he's telling the world leaders, and they're all saying yes, is don't go into these multinational slave institutions. Keep your sovereignty and be who you are. Right. I mean, the EU is a disaster. It's a disaster, and everybody in the world, especially in Asia is looking at the EU and saying, uh-uh, we're not going there. What do you got for us, Trump? And Trump's gone, well, I got my buddy Putin and my homeboy Xi, and we're going to rip the Illuminati. <laughs> that was one other thing I did want to touch on before we left, is before we started recording, we were talking about the QAnon NSA insider and those cryptic messages, I'm just curious with your expertise, do you think that is something legitimate? Do you think there's actual meat on those bones? I've looked into it fairly well. It could be an extremely sophisticated nothing burger, <laughs> but I don't think so. I love the fact that the way Q is, is doing his information drops is he's asking people questions which is forcing them to get answers and put truth in their mind. I have nothing but hope, and I'm telling you right now, the universe told me that it's going to be okay if those of us who have some knowledge of truth and understand that we have to get active, 
We have to tell people about the vaccination, about the corruption, about Bitcoin and ways we can get around the central banks. We have to come together, all right, Mm -hmm. as brother and sister and be human again. So remember, you're always broadcasting 4 million bits of information per second out of your conscious mind and 40 million bits of information out of your subconscious mind. Your subconscious is 10 times more powerful than your conscious mind. That's why if people have a habit pattern that they're trying to change and they won't change, they go, how come I keep making the same mistake? How come I keep dating the same bad woman? It's Hmm. because you haven't tapped it out, baby. (laughs) Learn to do EFT and become who you really want to be. And there are EFT videos all over the place, miraculous physical healings, emotional healings. Learn it. It'll be your best friend for life. (laughs) I'm hoping so. Maybe that will help me with my intense resistance to exercise. Wouldn't that be great? (laughs) There you go. Yeah. So awesome, man. I I really did enjoy this. And we did talk about your websites, gave out some links. Is there anything else to say about follow-up or people's ability to support you in some way? Anything else to throw out to them in that regard? Not really right now, no. I mean, I did have, in fact, it's still up. I had a you caring to get like $4,000 so I could get cannabis oil for my Lyme's disease. Hmm. And that was successful. I treated myself with cannabis oil and I no longer have Lyme's disease. (laughs) Wow. That's just amazing. I always think about, you know, I have these guests on, they talk about these things And it just takes such immense strength when you're actually confronted with one of these diseases, with something like cancer, to say, fuck the mainstream system, I'm going alternative. It just, it's very hard because there's so much pressure and, you know, a lot of people in your family are probably going to be telling you to go one way. And it's just an intense situation. And to have the strength to stick to your guns, stick to your convictions, it's a beautiful thing. And Thanks so much for being here. I hope people take a lot of this to heart. Almost a decade of torture and abuse is really a rough way to come into the world, but you seem to be in a good place now, and that's really all you can do. So big thanks again. Huge pleasure to make your acquaintance. Intense stuff, and do take care of yourself out there. Okay, thank you, Greg. You got it. Wow, guys. Jay Parker. What more can you say, but wow. Definitely a lot to take in, and a deep, Dark personal story for sure, graphic at times, but it is my impression that this sort of abuse in elite circles happens quite often, or at least sometimes, even to mind-blowing proportions if you think the figures that Jay cited are even half right. But because I do think it happens sometimes, I think it's reasonable to suggest that we would occasionally get people who could speak from personal experience. Not often, of course. In fact, I think it's very rare. And I'm sure how you feel about today's show, I guess, would hinge on how you view Jay's story. But I think he's a pretty genuine guy. Some part of our private conversation makes me feel that way even more so. And Jay, of course, is not the first guest we've had who talks about MKUltra programming and ritual abuse in their personal background. I think he'd be around number four or five over the years, maybe even six or seven. And to me, Jay resonates as the most sincere and most believable of that 
crowd. It's far out stuff, no doubt. It is a lot to take in, but I don't think he's out to deceive anybody. And even if you think the personal aspects are a bit hard to swallow, I think he's a good disseminator of information. If you listen to his presentations or even a lot of this interview, it's like, what are Jay's go-to areas of importance? You know, who does Jay recommend you check out? Well, Bruce Lipton, Rupert Sheldrake, the Thunderbolts Project, the Electric Universe Model, Rick Simpson Oil, and Mark Passio, who I actually hope to finally get on the Higher Side Chats in the coming months. But all of these people are really high up on my list of recommendations, too, which is just another reason why I like what Jay has to say. Those are great resources that I think are high quality and comprise a good chunk of my worldview. But as for the interactions between the elite and the archonic entities of their possession, Jay's experience, while it sounds pretty wild, is pretty in line with where I am conceptually with my best guess of what the relationship looks like, just go back and listen to what Peter Mark Adams describes in the Solabushka Tarachi episode. And I don't think everyone in power is partaking in this sort of sacrament, but some definitely are. And there's a strata of the power pyramid reserved for occultists, I'm sure. I think if you look at a lot of these dudes' pictures in the criminal class, they look possessed to me. Either way, I hope you dug this one too. I tried to get deeper into some things with Jay, but still cover a lot of ground, and with some guests, even two hours doesn't feel like much. You really are doing yourself a disservice, dear listener, if you are a fan of this show and you're only hearing the first half. And I know everyone wants podcasts to be free, but you gotta remember that the only things in life that you get to enjoy without contributing to are usually getting their payment in some other ways, manipulating you with advertising, or it's corporate programming, which is aimed at pushing certain culture-changing agendas as well as the advertising, or the company behind whatever it is is selling your data. That's how people are making money these days. Otherwise, pretty much everything else you enjoy, you probably contribute to, and usually more than five bucks a month. So I hope you consider it, because you're missing out on a lot. Today's second hour got into trauma healing and EFT, which, by the way, There was a part in the show where Jay referred to childhood ritual experiences of having his heart ripped out, and we sort of glossed over it, but I heard Jay talk about that deeper in other interviews, and of course it's not literal, but the ritual is refined to make the child think the heart has been ripped out. And that stuck out in my mind because of some of the conversation with Michael Joseph, right? Where he explained the paradigm that affecting the consciousness is more important than making something literally happen, like the example was the moon landing in that context. Which is true on even a base level, right? That overall premise, and I'm going to use a December-related example that you might not want the kids to hear, which is not a warning I would typically give out, but a few emails from people who listen to THC with their kids are fresh in my mind, and hopefully they maybe realize this isn't an episode for the whole family, or maybe it is. But either way, fair warning, in regards to imprinting a belief on the collective consciousness being more important than someone literally doing something or something literally being true there is no santa claus but we definitely alter the behavior and mindset of children by cultivating the belief and it's like every faction is just trying to drape their blanket of influence over the minds of the people in the big scheme of things and it's not some bold realization about magic really it's a pretty fundamental concept it works for something as simple as the war on terror it's all perception management 
But I guess I'm only saying that it seems like it applies to magic just as much as anything. And we sometimes think magic is so amorphous and hard to define, but maybe it isn't. In fact, I listened to a great episode of Skeptica recently that had Gordon on, and Alex was kind enough to even use a THC clip in the intro. And it was a great show, but to paraphrase one thing Gordon said, kind of defining magic, is that magic is a cultural expression of natural effects of consciousness. I'm sure he said that here as well. But I just think it's important to remember that magic isn't all pentagrams and cloaked chanting. That might be part of it. But if magic works, it has to be a natural part of interfacing with reality. And that is kind of the crux of things. We just kind of forgot about magic in a big way, I guess. And of course, I think it's suppressed. But point being, consciousness is primary and belief is key. And if you make a kid feel like his heart is being ripped out, you probably get the same level of energetic trauma and pain that you're looking to create. And that makes sense to me. But yeah, in the Plus Show... We talked about trauma healing, EFT, modern day pedophiles and sex abuse and trafficking scandals. We also got into mind control and Joseph Mangala in Missouri, of all places. We got into the scope of the overall network. Also, Jay's shapeshifter experience, what he thinks the next phase in the big cult's plan might be, and topped it off with the power of Rick Simpson oil. We got into a lot of other great stuff as well. It was a real pleasure having Jay on. I hope you found his perspective useful and interesting. And we're closing out today with the last of the new songs from Lauren Silva with Greg Carlwood lyrics. And not to counter Jay's positive and hopeful message about us winning towards the end there, but this song is fairly dire. But it's tongue-in-cheek. It's supposed to be a little over the top. So don't write me about promoting fear Comedy is the best antidote to power. Have you ever laughed at authority? It sort of breaks them down in a powerful way. Anyway, just think of it like that. Here we go. New song. I'm out of here. Thanks, Jay. I've done my part. Your move, Arconic Entities, and the power pyramid horses you rode in on. Your fucking move. This is important. Hear what I said. I'm trying to tell you. It's not paranoia, not in my head It's just the hard truth Knocked on your door while I still can To ask you a question Cause I know your head is still in the sand Don't be sheep to your slaughter for the rest of your life Oppressed, oppressed, but you're getting woke You say you don't want to be stressed until the day you die Tough luck, my friend Did you get the memo? Can't you see that we're so screwed? Don't you know we're our kung fu? Can't you just admit we're screwed? I'm gonna tell you this anyway It's a scary dark world Scarier every day Scary dark world No matter what you say Scary dark world Don't think we'll be okay Can't you see that we're so But we don't have a choice It seems we're stuck here But you can find noses Drown out the noise Now use that altar End up your magic game And listen to THC You know You go with the entities 
want to be stressed until the day you die to block my friend. Did you get the memo? Can't you say that we're so screwed? Don't you know we're our kung food? Can't you just admit we're screwed? I'm gonna tell you this anyway. It's a scary dark world, scarier every day. Scary dark world, no matter what you say. Scary dark world, don't think we'll be okay. Can't you see that we're so Did you get the memo? Can't you say that we're so- 